All right, Emerson, uh, before we kick this off, what do we have on the docket today? Hey, Jerry, uh, good to have you. We're certainly missing our uh, wingman, Robert. He is not able to join us, but uh, we'll be back next week. Not the same, the three amigos, man. We we definitely can't do the dance like we normally do it. But, I know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, where's Ned when you need him? Um, exactly. <laughs> no, but we're we're lucky today. We've got Laura Lindley coming on. Laura is an icon in sleep. She's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, she's she's been leading in sleep for some time. She's one of the most passionate people you'll ever meet. She and I have served on committees together. But it's just it's watching her. She's such a great mom and and leader. And and we're just going to be it's going to be great to have her on. This will be the beginning because I know we'll have her on again after this because she's simply just got so much to offer. So I'm really looking forward to really hitting the tip of the iceberg of what she has on her mind today. I think uh, we're going to be focusing a little bit on that blog that she she put. Yeah. Can you talk? Yeah. About just that? this past week, you're right. The on the AST website. So if someone's interested in reading, they can go check that out. It's uh, about RPM. So we'll we'll dig into that a little bit with her too on remote patient monitoring. Fantastic. All right. So folks, we just connected the leads. Get ready for lights out. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast with your hosts and friends, Emerson Kerr, Robert Miller, who's not here today, and myself, Dr. Gerald George Moneycarote, also known as Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Before we move forward, I just want to say uh, uh, to all you folks out there, thank you so much for watching on YouTube, watching on whatever other platform, and listening to us on all the podcast platforms. We can't thank you enough. Keep giving us the likes. If you haven't done it already, be sure to smash that like button, hit the star ratings, your comments. Everything is appreciated. We're growing so much, and it's all due to you. And for us to be able to continue to give you great content about your field, please don't hesitate and don't stop hitting the likes. With that uh, Emerson, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on today? Absolutely. Thanks, Jerry. And, and thanks, everyone, for being a part of this. This, this journey with uh, our Sleep Tech Talk podcast has been so much fun. You know, it started out as something that we, we, we really wanted to, to educate and connect with, with all of you. And it's, it's become so much more. We've been able to learn so much from so many people. And today, we're really blessed to have Laura Lindley with us. Laura has been a friend for quite some time. Uh, we worked on several projects together. Uh, she taught me into getting more involved in the AST, but she she did it by example. That's what I love about Laura is Laura, is, she's a doer. She's one of those people that gets in and fights and makes some good things happen. And so today, you know, we're, we're really lucky to have her with us. But just to, you know, as I was lurking over your story, Laura, 1989 is when you you started out with all of this. You're a respiratory therapist. Your daughter, you know, is ill and is dealing with cancer, and it changed your life. And you know, as tough as all of that's been, you know, I have to look at this now, knowing all the things you've done. And we're not going to cry, right? 
Yeah. All the things, <laughs> all the things that you've been involved in, if it weren't for that crisis, we would not have been able to enjoy what you've done for all of us, you know, and in, in not only being a past president of the AST, but your involvement with the APT prior to that, um, just someone who dug in and served their community in such a big way. And, and we're the beneficiaries of that. And we're just so lucky. But so you, 33 years that's so you must have been like 12 when you started this, right? So th that's slave labor in Illinois. What's going on there? <laughs> you know, so how, how, how did you so with that in mind, though, what compelled you to make that leap forward to get into sleep? I mean, obviously that your daughter's health, but, you know, like Jerry and I, I mean, none of us sort of planned to go into sleep. And it sounds like you didn't either. What was really what caught you about being able to, to do that? Well, it's really, it's interesting that uh, when you look back at the story, you know, when, when you're going through it, you're just reacting and you're just taking advantage of opportunities. But I literally had gone into the, my RT director's office to resign. Um, I'd had a particularly hard day in the NICU and I just decided I was having a hard time separating my pain from my patients and I needed to resign. And he, he knew my situation. He knew I needed insurance. And literally, as I was walking in his office, uh, one of the sleep docs was walking out. And his message to the RT director is, if you don't get help in the sleep lab, I'm resigning from this health organization. So I walk in saying, I have this problem. I need to resign. He goes, no, I'm going to put you in the sleep lab because no one dies in the sleep lab. And um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess. And um, I found myself working side by side with the physicians who were caring for my daughter. So it was just a win-win. And, you know, when you're doing sleep back in 1989, it was a much different relationship with your physician partners, right? So um, we we figured it out. We figured sleep out together. And um, I, I think about that often. And I can't believe it's been 33 years, but then I can't believe my daughter's 33 either. So. I know, right? She doesn't look like it either. Um, yeah. So when you look at that, I mean, you really have had the good fortune or, or not, depending on your point of view, of seeing technology evolve and really the sleep technologists. You know, oh, yeah. you, you were there in the beginning as as the craft was coming together. But now it's really changing right in front of us again. And right. a lot of a lot of things are happening recently. You wrote a little blog for the AST about RPM. And, and when you begin to think about that from the standpoint of, of, of sort of the evolution of the technologies from where you saw that in, in the late 80s to now, how, how does that all fit together? Because that seems so foreign to some of our listeners that RPM could even be an option. How do you see that fitting into, into the craft the, today? You know, it, back, you know, when we first started into the field and legitimized ourselves, it really was data collection and, and being able to produce a report that the physicians could use to create an interpretation and, and get proper treatment started. Um, and then from that, we've evolved to more outcomes-based medicine, right? So now, and, and for the last several years, that's been something we've really tried to wrap our hands around is how how do we continue to be legitimized and show outcomes that the involvement of the sleep technologist is critical in sleep wellness. And um, RPM has actually created a pathway for that. 
it the pandemic for what it's worth actually pushed us down that road you know the ast we've been you know putting that in our strategic plan back in 2018 you know and then it just really pushed forward in 2020 with the pandemic um and when you look at monitoring patients you know you have this chronic care management that's very well understood heart clinics have been using this for a while diabetes clinics are now getting involved with this and sleep is just a natural fit for it um and and you can look at other health organizations that have been using um sleep chronic care management with their cardiac practice kaiser is one of them where they actually look for changes in patients use of cpap with weight gain and cardiac consequence you know they 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 look at the care team together that way and it, it makes sense right so if you're looking at somebody chain stoking all of a sudden and they've had a, a eight pound weight gain and fluid retention that it's something's going on and something needs to be adjusted um and so Ideally, we would work as a care team. We're still very siloed, I think, with sleep. But um, we have the ability to help that outcome story by monitoring our patients. And a lot of us do it. A lot of us are hooked up to our patients' um, air links and our, you know, Encore Anywheres, and we're able to see what's going on with our patients. We're doing the work, but we're not necessarily making part of a care plan. And that's where remote patient monitoring can come into play. Yeah, it's interesting because I think back to a project you and I worked on, gosh, almost seven years ago. It's hard to believe when I say that out loud. But, you know, we were talking about really, you know, the evolution of the sleep tech. You and I, we were part, we built that committee to look at inpatient screening. Right. And, you know, sort of, you know, I'm thinking of as you're talking of the evolution of the technologist. You know, when you begin to look at all you're doing with the education committee and with the AST and what we did those years ago with that committee, how how does how does should the technologists be thinking about their future um, and and where they fit? Because there's clearly technologies changing right in front of us. You know, there are home sleep apnea tests that are really amazing, can do some things that we never imagined we'd be able to do. How, How do they pivot? What what would you say to our peers today about how they can pivot with all of these changes? So it, it's become less of a focus on the diagnosis because that technology has become simpler. And like you said, it's very, you know, uh, it, it even watches, you know, like we're looking at technology changing. And the problem is you have more technology available. So patients are getting more information, but they don't understand it. So when you look at like a remote patient monitoring program, you're looking at FDA approved devices, which is much different than an Apple Watch and and looking at an FDA approved device. You know, you have that reliability of data and you have a lot of data that needs to be interpreted. And um, so that's where the sleep tech, that's what, what we do, right? We can look at a at a report and make a story out of it and we can say that, oh, this support, you know, your desaturation support, what we're seeing in your sleep fragmentation, which supports how you're feeling during the day. So it tells that story um, and sleep techs can put those pieces together. And physicians are busy. They don't have time to look at those waveforms and look at those um, day-to-day reports in a way or in the manner that a sleep technologist has the ability to do it. 
um, and I always said we make the greatest spies, right? We get in there, we figure out what's going on, we hear a little complaint, and we're like, aha, this is it. Um, and so becoming very, uh, you know, competent with looking at waveform, not only in our sleep studies, but also on these compliance reports is where we have to find our focus. We have to be able to pick up anyone's compliance report and say, hey, you know, this is a mask leak. This is central apnea presentation. This is something else going on. Let's get you in front of a doc and get something adjusted. So, Laura, if you could elaborate more on what do you mean or how do you understand what is remote patient monitoring? Like uh, Emerson was saying, not everybody totally gets it. Right. Just how would you define that? So when you look at remote patient monitoring, there's actually a couple of codes that can be used to actually bill for it so you can get compensated. Um, it, it's actually a care plan. So what you end up having is a consent from a patient that you're going to do chronic care management of, of, for us, it would be the sleep disorders. So the physician would have a face-to-face meeting with the patient, set up a care plan, and remote patient monitoring is part of that plan, where we're going to look at your data, we're going to make sure you're not having any issues with tolerating your therapy. Um, And then you have documentation in the chart that shows that you are reviewing this, that you are making adjustments, that you are communicating with the patient, whether electronically or on a phone. You have to look at the code you're using. There's some nuances there. Um, Or you bring them back in for a face-to-face. But it's not just because they have a module on their CPAP that lets you gather data. You have to have a care play that you're looking at the data and making decisions on it. Now, I think it can go farther than just sleep disordered breathing. This is a great space for circadian rhythm management, for insomnia, you know, tracking, for, you know, sleep diary tracking before an MSLT. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we'll see coming out of the ability to code for um, this monitoring. No, I agree with you. I think that that's, and that's sort of where when we look at what our opportunity is to sleep text. One of the positions I've taken is that of all the people, you, you, you said great spies, but I think that the sleep technologist is the most passionate character in the play. You know, when we look at all of our colleagues across sleep medicine, physicians absolutely have, a, you know, there are some that are extremely passionate, but of all of the, the professionals involved in the care plan and they get passionate about sleep medicine, to me, the sleep technologist is number one. I mean, they, we totally nerd out and geek out about every nuance. And when I look at opportunity, and, you know, all three of us have worked at man- in manufacturing at some point, you know, when we look at, at where opportunity lies and, you know, from the viewpoint we get to look at the market, the one place that sleep technologists haven't played is in that long-term care of the patient. We, we test the patient, we, we treat them, you know, with a titration study, and we send them on their way. But we never really think about how we can participate in looking at that download data, looking at what's going on. And because, you know, the, the doctor's looking at the patient from their perspective and the DME from theirs. But at the end of the day, to me, the technologist has an opportunity to step in that space where RPM is and really get involved in looking at that download data and really becoming a coach, in a sense, to the patient to bring that about. Is that something you envision with this? Is that how RPM could really kind of bring it all together? 
for sleep technologists? It will. And there, but I mean, I think the sleep wellness coaching is an amazing space. And I do have colleagues, you know, good mentors of mine who have branched out doing that. We see it with athletics and we see that with just general wellness programs that corporate wellness is buying into, right? We got to help you learn to sleep. I mean, it really is teaching sleep hygiene, um, but sleep coaching and getting reimbursed for it is where we're stuck. And so we have, when we look at some of these codes, you need to be a qualified health provider for it. Uh, RPSGT is not one of those codes that gets qualified off the bat. You have to, you know, we're working towards establishing that CCSH as being that, but even a coaching or a wellness type credential to, to kind of pyramid your credentials with is what's really needed right now for billing. Um, and mm. I think that's where, like, we'd love to do it, but how do we get paid for it, right? And so, and then you have your state-to-state nuances that you have to look at in your scope of practice, and it gets complicated. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our mutual friend, Amy Corn-Rivas, on. I know she does some work yep. with you there. How how has she, in, in her coaching role, filled in that space for your doctors and your, your sleep business? Now talk about a geek. No, <laughs> no. So we both no, love her. Yeah, I love Amy. We'll, we'll tell her. We'll tell her you said that. Yeah, I tell her. <laughs> He's definitely one of my mentors, and she pushed me. You know, with it, with I have a sleep management program in in, in Texas, and we work with the the Baylor Health System and and some other systems there in Texas, and we manage the sleep labs. So we're not managing the doctors, right? So some of this. RPM really sits in the doctor's office and not necessarily in the hospital. But she pushed me as an organization and said, you can use a sleep wellness coach to help support your patient base. And we did. And and Amy developed a program. We called it our has-been evaluated program, so HBE. And every single patient that got studied, would that this coach would review the data and make sure the patient understood next steps. So whether that's whether it's further testing or to see a sleep specialist, and it seems, you know, like oh, well, that's that's you can give discharge instructions when the patient leaves the lab. This is above and beyond that, and it really does help not only make sure we get the proper orders in. It reduces the risk to our organization because now I'm not just diagnosing patients; I'm making sure they get treated. Um, and we're getting that documentation in our sleep chart. And that's sleep coaching. Coaching that patient on their their care plan and, and making sure they buy into it. Wow, that's incredible. I'm, I'm excited to see that. We're, we're looking forward to having Amy on in a couple of weeks. Um, so the, the other part of your life, when you're not inspiring the masses to, to do sleep better, um, you run a business. And yes. your 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 workout you you're you're in uh, Rockford Illinois part of the time, but Dallas the rest of the time. Tell us a little bit about advanced sleep management, what you're doing, and uh, where where you guys are headed as a company. I got to jump in right here when you said yeah. part of the time in in Illinois and part of the time in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I remember when I first spoke to you, Laura, like yeah, I live in both places, and I was like, well, what? <laughs> I literally live in both places. So. Yeah, it, it took me a while to figure that one out. So, yeah. Laura, go ahead. But honestly, <laughs> the, 
the <laughs> pandemic did force me to just stay in Illinois more. So I'm actually using this type of platform all day long. I'm on video calls all day long with my team there. Um, but the, uh, the, the business is good. It's different. Uh, you know, when we, we're actually 11 years in now, um, we have, um, eight centers within the Baylor system that we're managing. And then we have some other type of service lines. But when I say managing it, we're bringing in the, the clinical manager, we're bringing in the scoring team, we're bringing in the equipment, we're bringing in the clinical specialists and the pre-authorization team, which has become a big piece of our business. And, um, and when you look at successes and burdens on a company, that pre-auth it's become almost more burdensome than the actual clinical study. Now I say that, and what's also happening though, is because our home sleep testing is such a big part of our business now. And, you know, two years ago it was 38% of our business and now it's 60, 60%. Um, so there's been a huge change in the pandemic. I think pushed that along too, and then payer recommendations as well. Um, but we're getting our AS, our attendance studies are still busy but they're all train wrecks, right? Because we're getting the the cardiac patients, all the comorbidity patients coming into the lab. So now we have to have an increased safety concerns for our inpatients or for our overnight patients and our home studies, you know, just trying to get them to use the device and actually bring it back or upload it, whatever we're doing with that. So it's just, there's just so much moving pieces now for the for the sleep center but i enjoy it i mean i have the best team and um i have a a, you know a group of doctors that are very dedicated but um it's been challenging these last two years been challenging (laughs) so i'm i'm glad we're past that part and now we're just focused on you know rebounding well, I appreciate you saying that because the past couple of years have been challenging for all. So to hear that it was the same for you, I think that would reach for everybody that, hey, yeah. with you guys have been in business for 11 years and even even you had to go through that. So yeah. for being very open about that, uh, Laura. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we are uh, getting close to time. Is there anything that you want to hit on that we haven't uh, discussed? You know, I think that... As exciting as sleep is, we have to be very careful to not get stagnant. And so we have to stay relevant. Um, you And so my, I encourage sleep technologists to really look at opportunities in their um, sleep centers. You know, can they work with their doctors more? Can they, you know, be involved with just making sure patients understand their next step care? You know, start there with the coaching and making sure that we're not losing patients to not committing to therapy or knowing that they need to see a sleep specialist or whatever the case may be. Um, And that's an easy way to start off. And then, you know, we need to look at our inpatient screening programs. There's a lot of information and we're getting more data all the time to support that um, and making sure we can get our hospitalist screening for sleep disorders, um, start an outpatient surgery and go from there. Um, And then this, you know, being part of a care plan or continuity of care after the fact, I think we're going to see more information come out on that. But stay relevant, get your education, and I encourage anyone to volunteer. Even if you, you know, get on a committee, 
see what the national organizations are doing. We need more help um, to develop these new protocols because we're all in new waters <laughs> trying to figure it out. Well, <laughs> Laura, I, I just wanted to say that's, that is so fantastic to hear that. Stay relevant. We don't hear that very often. And that's a, that's a huge piece right there. And so thank you for that. And also I appreciate the volunteering piece because uh, you're right. I mean, I uh, just like Emerson has, just like you have, I did offer uh, some volunteer uh, to our state and as well as the national national groups as well. And it's rewarding. It gives you an opportunity to give back to the community that gave gave you so much, meaning it gave me so much. And it was, it was just a good feeling to be able to do that and to say that I've done that. But with that, we do have to close. We're we're getting on for time. Thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Sure. We appreciate you uh, coming on and being so insightful. I appreciate this new method of getting information out. This is oh. good for old people like me. I'm like a podcast. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, I'll tell you that we're, it's, uh, how would you put it? What's the word I should say? We're still, we're still exploring it ourselves. Uh, like you said, stay relevant. And that's what we're trying to do. So yeah. thank you for recognizing that. And we thank all our listeners and viewers out there. We thank you all so much for joining us and staying on till the end of the show. Don't forget, smash that like button, smash the stars on there. Give us all your comments. We're looking forward to hearing more. And until next time, we want to say thank you very much and lights on. All right, Emerson, that was fun. I oh my gosh. enjoyed it. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, Laura lived up to everything that I imagined. You know, she she brings so much energy and passion to to our craft. And to hear just the just like we talked about in the beginning before the show started, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, RPM, her article about it was great, but just really getting into what a sleep technologist could really be doing with a career really leaped out to me. How about you? What did, what were the, what was the telling point for you? So I, I really like that. And that to what you said reflects what my thoughts were is that, you know, RPM, and I'm glad she explained that a little more in detail because I, I think most of us thought it was just kind of something that's like an extension of the physician's office, but nothing to do with, with the sleep tech, but the different modalities or different ways that a sleep tech can grow. And as she said, don't be stagnant, continue to evolve, continue to grow. Um, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Through this, uh, through this method of RPM or uh, whether or not you're a coach on, on the uh, clinical side or at the lab, just continue to grow. And I, I really, for me, that was the biggest takeaway. And on top of all of that, on top of all of that was the fact that part of that growth is volunteering and yeah. each and every person can do. So that was my, those were my biggest takeaways from, from today. You know, and, and I, and I think that, you know, we can get really existential with this, but I think most people find their greatest joy in serving, you know, when yeah. you really listen to all of the philosophers and great thinkers this is, you know, and as you said, giving back. I think one of my favorite quotes is, if you've had success, send the elevator back down. You know, when, when you can serve and really allow yourself to be vulnerable and, but, you know, it's really not even being vulnerable. It's, it's giving back and sharing that wisdom and knowledge and experience so that what we end up with is just a better community. And, you know, that's something I know you are passionate about. I am, so is Robert, is how right. we can to elevate what we're in 
and elevate each other. You know, all our ships rise together. Well, Emerson, thank you so much. And thank you all. You know, we just disconnected all the leads. So until next time, see you later. See ya.